Welcome to Three Kobolds in a Trench Coat, where we look beyond the table and discuss D&D from a DM and player's perspective. We're your hosts, Meepo, Raku, and Snickle. So in today's episode, we're going to be talking a little bit about our experiences coming up with characters, as well as some tips that might be useful for a newer player or someone who's having a little trouble fleshing one out. Um, do you want to kick this off with Raku and Meepo? Uh, what are some of your favourite characters that you've ever played? Okay, so at the moment, definitely Cassius. <laughs> um, I've never played a vampire outside of DMing one. Mm-hmm. Um, and considering I was always... Shout out to D&D Beyond because they're amazing. Um, I've always used those character sheets. So I've always had, you know, you tap the button, everything's loaded, go to the next level, everything's pre-generated, it's fantastic. But... Because I've worked so hard on this guy, um, he's a homebrew and I'm on a paper character sheet that's put me into a situation where I've invested more into him as a character and I've had to put in the effort because I've had to work out the bloody stats and the ability modifiers by hand and things like that so blood sweat and tears yeah this man. exactly <laughs> so as much as i love um some characters that are available on dnd beyond um i also try and look at homebrew or how i envision my character um i think that my favorite character that i've ever played would have to be ainsley so far Um, so Ainsley is kind of a rehash, but completely different. So I originally started playing an Asimar gunslinger, um, who was named Scarlett O'Hara, who had an incredible, uh, southern accent. Um, and she was really- Incredible might be subjective. (laughs) (laughs) We both had to say it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, had a glint in his eye. (laughs) Yeah, it's like a lead balloon. You just gotta shoot it down. (laughs) Um, anyway, so she was, uh, my favorite and then that campaign kind of ended and I knew that I really liked the combination of Asimar and Gunslinger together. Um, so I completely rehashed and made this new, um, Gunslinger who is born to dwarven parents. So she's, she's still an Asimar and she, but technically she's a dwarf and she's Mm. only five feet tall. Um, but yeah, so she's amazing and sassy and I love her. I think probably one of my favourite characters is one that neither of you um, have been face-to-face with, but uh, she is a paladin scourge Asimar with a lot of mystery surrounding her. Like, she's got a mask that covers her face, and and in that game that she's been in, no one has really picked up on why she might have her... No one really cares. Yeah. (laughs) Or they're respectful enough to not... Mm. ask to see her face and you know she's got a wild magic element to her there's a lot of unpredictability in that character but um in terms of her personality she's quite meek and you know quite timid um but you know presents as this like you know full plate heroic character but inside she's really just like shit scared of everything that's happening she's been forced into this position Mm. um as part of her backstory and i really enjoy playing that kind of character where they're, they're not the hero they've just been put in that they're in a hero's shoes but they don't belong there yeah when you're coming up with your characters where do you tend to draw your inspiration from like is it something that you've purely come up with in your own mind or are you sort of getting that spark from 
maybe another character that exists or another universe from a book or a movie or something like that? Um, it depends on what mood I'm in, really. If I want to play something that I, you know, I want to replicate something that I've seen because I think it looks cool, or if I want to create something completely different. Um, my process, I know a lot of people make their story first and then build their character around it. I'm the opposite. So I find a character that I think would be cool to play and then I get this stream and font of information that comes through and it's like this is the story that goes with this character and then that helps me build better in the character and then the personality around it. My process for character creation is kind of, it's a half and half. At first, it, it sometimes it can be, oh, what if I play this? What if I do this? Um, and so I want to go, oh yeah, actually just give it a go. Why not? Like Cassius at the moment. Um, Cassius was a bit of a joke between me and Meepo of, <laughs> Perhaps, you know, well, what if I just came in as a vampire? <laughs> and then My you response said, was, you can do it, but I'm not helping you. Yeah. <laughs> so it kind of made me determined about, you know what? I'll do it. I'll create this character. Um, Actually, I feel like that's all your characters. Because, because for campaign two, it was a joke from your partner. He goes, oh, why don't you just play such and such as child? Oh, yeah. When you play Cassie's child, I was like, oh, my God, that's going to be horrible. My face went... Bugger it, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, sometimes it is like that, but yeah, um, I try and draw inspiration of wherever the mood strikes me or whatever whatever happens. I, I go with the flow, essentially. Yeah, I think I'm very similar in that regard. That it, it's I often don't go in, you know, not having an idea and making myself come up with a character mm. I think I'll have an idea in mind and then think oh well what if I explore that you know where, where can I take this idea um, but going off from what you were saying where you'll say like for example Meepo you said you will find a character is that in reference to character art like are you seeing a cool drawing that someone has done and gone I would love to build a character off that that look that aesthetic um, no, so I, um, as I said, like, I'll, I'll, I'll build the character on D&D Beyond, then I'll find character art, and then based off the character art, I'll be like, okay, this would work with my story. Mm. So it's more you're building it from, you have an idea in mind of a class or a yep. race, and then you go from there. Okay. Actually, honestly, not even that, because mm. half the time I don't even know what class or race I want to play, so I'll just sit there and look at it for a while. Yeah, I know a few people who, yeah. um pretend like what they would do themselves like oh if i was in dnd i would want to be this so they'll go create a character in that yeah. envisionment yeah i think a lot of players start out that way they mm. kind of self-insert into a campaign because especially if someone doesn't really have experience in role playing that's it's a safety net yeah. to be put in a situation and go not what would my character do it's what would i do how would i approach yeah. this situation Whereas, um, you know, when you've played a couple of different characters, you tend to branch away from that, I find, and mm. do something that, you know, compared to your real-world morals and resolve, totally contradicts, um, but you can put yourself in that mindset and explore, you know, different ways to approach a situation. Mm. Yeah, exactly. I like playing characters that... Um, so I think one of my favourite type of character to play is a character that's just like, oh, there's a big red button. 
push the button. Yes, I've noticed that. <laughs> what about you, Raku? What's your favourite kind of character to play? Um, <laughs> morally ambiguous. Yeah, morally ambiguous. <laughs> I'm a, I like playing a lot of grey characters because I don't... When I create a character, I don't have it set... Oh, he's going to be a good guy. Oh, he's going to do the right thing. Oh, he's going to... I like to develop the character because at level one, it is the hardest thing to get in your mind is he is a staunch paladin. He knows right from wrong. He will forever do right and wrong. I kind of try and have a great character because that way there is that development behind it. But yeah, like you were saying, people put themselves in that situation. What would I do in that situation? Mm. What would I do uh, when I came up to a bandit trying to steal money? So it's, it's a good way to kick off like your first... Um, first character essentially yeah and I think there's nothing wrong with doing that if we've got any people who are listening to this episode who maybe haven't really gotten into D&D yet but are interested mm. um, it can be done really well I have DM'd for people where it was their first exposure to D&D and they, they had an interest and just never given it a go and they played a character that was very much a self insert but they took that character in really interesting directions and it wasn't uh, a cop out mm. to play a character like that they used it to its full potential mm. so it's definitely a um, less confronting way to go through that process of fleshing out a character over time because you can project your own preferences into the character rather than thinking what would they like to do and mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's an easier way to go down that path and have less barriers in place there for that Hmm. when you're coming up with your characters and if you've got one in mind that you're really interested to play has a situation ever cropped up where perhaps it doesn't really fit with everyone else's characters that they've come up with you know you've sat down at the table and said okay I want to play you know an elf ranger but you've already got someone else who's playing a ranger Hmm. you know how, how do you deal with that situation um, for me, I would, if I was a character in that situation, you know, someone else on the table had the same as me, um, I would have a chat with them and the DM at the same time and say, how can we work together? Maybe we were, um, brothers in arms. Maybe we were, um, friends, brothers, um, siblings. Um, maybe we were of the same faction, but in two different towns, we've met up for the same goal or we were told to work together. Um, or we could just be those two characters that have a competition grudge since primary school and mm. you know, it was like, oh, I'll, I'll top you, I'll get more numbers and I'll kill more bad guys than you. Um, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm very open with working with anyone who's got the same character with me. Um, I'm not, a, not much of a shunner, but I do know some people who would hate that and would say, no, you need to choose something different. Um, but... For me, I would say, okay, cool, I can do that. I'll just create something different. Mm-hmm. But I do know some people who would cause a bit of issue. But it's have a chat with the DM and the other player and see if you can work together. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And then, and then off the back of that, I say um, D&D is about doing what you want. D&D is about having fun. So if someone says you can't do that, that's not the whole... That's for me. That's that's taking away the fun of D and D. Who what knows? Are, oh, sorry, cut you off. But you, like you do your thing. <laughs> um, 
who knows, it might have a part where you do have those two ranger elves where one fires the bow and the other ranger elf puts the arrows up in the bow for the person to fire them. So it can work in a very strange yeah. but funny way, but um, it's it's how you guys play. It's how it's how you play it. And if yeah. you can create something weird and wacky, go for it. That's it's always the best thing to see. What about coming at the situation from the opposite angle? So going into a game and coordinating with your other players prior to actually coming up with your character. You know, do you build a character to suit everyone else's ideas, or maybe go into it? already having something like that in mind where your characters were you know previously intertwined in some way mm. outside of that campaign story like how, how do you build a character around everyone else's preferences or existing ideas um i think it comes from if you want to have a balanced party um so i know that like you guys in my group nine times out of ten when you're building characters you guys all ask each other what's the overall party idea yeah. and like what's, what's everyone thinking of playing well that's yeah. and then for coming up for campaign two i know that um one of our players has actually came up with an idea that he wanted to do but then he's changed it because we didn't have any spell casters yeah um so and know. that was something that was of his own agency as yeah. well yeah. so no one there was no contention there yeah sorry what so, was the question <laughs> no i was asking <laughs> Um, my character in the second campaign is actually one of your, kind of like with you, Snickle, um, where we both knew each other in the Feywild, because um, Cassius's son, Nyx, he's going to be friends with your character mm, uh, yeah, in your fawn in the next campaign. Um, so working with other characters and say, oh, because you're from the Feywild and my characters from the Feywild as well um it's it's good to have a chat and say how could we bring this together because my character is uh this is his background this is where um not giving too much away but giving a, enough of a recap of how they got into this position um because my guy there's two outcomes for him so he's either going to be a good person or he's going to be not evil, but he's going to be very angry with the material plane. Mm-hmm. Um, so working with you about development of backstory is dependent on how the future run. Yeah, it's very confusing, but <laughs> what it boils down to is have a chat with other players and, and see where everyone else goes, because whether or not they may want to include you in a backstory or if they say, actually, I'd rather just have, you know, little dandelion, have his own backstory or whatever. Dandelion. Dandelion. Well, I'm just saying, it could, it could be. It could be. Yeah, I think it is about having that discussion. So if you've got, you know, you really want to team up, per se, with another mm. character. Um, like, for example, we've played another game where me and another player, our characters are siblings. And that was something that we discussed from the outset before we have even had an idea of what these characters were going to be like. He just said, hey do you want to play my character's sister or brother? Because we could do something really interesting with that. And we actually built our backstories and our ideas that fleshed out our characters from just that one thing. So mm. it can come from both angles where in, in this context, we're talking about um, Nix and Pim, where they were characters that we came up with separately, but they had a common link and that they were from the same uh, plane mm. of yeah. existence. Whereas in this 
other instance we were talking about the brother and sister that was their whole character idea was fleshed around them being brother and sister mm-hmm. sometimes it is uh, at that point where you go up to another player if you want to do it and say hey I've got an idea what do you think well that's kind of what happened for my character for the one shot um, I said I wanted to play a bard and then we had another character who said they wanted to play a bard and then it turned into okay let's be a duo mm. <laughs> let's be a two man band <laughs> <laughs> So it can come from both angles there. Yeah. Yeah. And going off the back of what you guys were saying before as well, in that having that discussion before you're starting a campaign depends on whether you want a quote unquote balanced party or Mm. not. But I mean, I certainly don't think that that's necessary always. I mean, I've played in a game where we had half our party was rogues. Oh, wow. (laughs) Which is interesting, but it's not the, there's no wrong way to build Mm. a party. So, I mean, what's your take on that? Um, If you want to build half a No, not specifically rogues. (laughs) (laughs) But, Um, I mean, do do you agree or disagree with having a technically imbalanced party? I would love to see a full party of bards. That would be hilarious. Uh, that's crazy. But probably wouldn't live very long. <laughs> no. Um, I, we, well, we started this campaign with no cleric mm-hmm. in our mm-hmm. campaign. No healers, essentially. Yeah. Yes. So we, and that we was... knew that was going to be a struggle. So we had to stock up on potions and things like that. Yeah. Whereas that dynamic's really changed now. And yeah. I, I, I don't think it's necessarily better. It's just different. Yeah. So our priorities have changed. Yeah. You don't have to have... A healer, a ranged uh, melee, and a spellcaster. You can have any combination. Yeah, if you all want to be wizards, it's going to be very easy to kill you off. But <laughs> <laughs> but essentially, if you want to be all wizards, be all wizards. If there's you there's nine hit. nothing wrong with that. There's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nine hit. Hmm. Let me think. Yes. When you're coming up with your character, do you build it based on what you would like to do purely for fun or for flavor or do you tend to min max a little bit um Uh, min maxing drives me nuts yeah i i try and pick a character that i want to play go but going back to what you said before do you draw inspiration from anything i have a monk that i've been building for ages since i seen uh captain marvel Mm -hmm. um and so it's a a monk and she's a, I think she's an Asimar, I can't remember. Uh, oh, no, no, sorry, sorry, she's a half-elf. Half-elf. I was going to say, you and Asimars. Yeah, I like Asimars. <laughs> um, she's a half-elf uh, monk, way of the sun soul. And she, I took inspiration from uh, Marvel. Mm-hmm. So she's kind of like that. So I would I would build that. Based on the flavour of yes, that Yes, and I wouldn't yeah. min-max it. Yeah. Yeah, I create characters with pure sense of development and flavoring because I I really enjoy role playing and I do enjoy when others enjoy the role play as well like I don't have to be involved with every single role play and I don't have to be the center of attention on every role play I enjoy it when I can set up a role play situation and then let it happen so when I create characters it is flavor it needs to be wholesome it needs to um, like when you create stories and things like that, I need to know this is what's going to happen and this is what's going to happen with the future and this is what was past for that person. So 
it's very from the race to the class even to the weapons they hold it has to fit in with who they are what they did um that the the character i'm playing is very fleshed out by that stage Mm. What are your thoughts on people who exclusively min-max their characters? Hate it. Absolutely hate it. Um, yeah. I avoid it myself. There are times where it just happens to be that, so... Um, it's not on purpose. Yeah. Like, no. when you roll stats, um, and, you know, your charisma is 18, because you're a... Your charisma is your spell modifier, and then you pick something that gives you a plus two to charisma... So you've already, at level one, got a plus five in your charisma. That's insane. But it just happens to be that way, and that's that's how it falls. Yeah, and I, I mean, I tend to um, try to optimize my characters as best I can when mm. I'm building one, but I, that's certainly not my sole focus. So I will yeah. have something that makes sense yeah. to me, but it doesn't need to be the most powerful option if that makes sense so if i you know i want to play a spell caster i'll pick a race that makes sense to be a spell caster but there might be a, a better option or you know might be a feat that i could slot in there somewhere that'll make them just this steamroller hmm. but i don't find that satisfying sometimes mm. when you have a crappy stat Mm-hmm. It's fun. It's fun. It adds yeah. a different element to it. Especially a negative one modifier. Yeah. And people are like, uh, yeah, I rolled a 15. Oh, wait, minus one. No, you didn't succeed. I think it can be frustrating if it's maybe your primary stat. Like, you don't really yeah. want to be going in as a barbarian with terrible strength. Yeah. Yeah, plus one strength. Having said that, I have a kobold barbarian, which I think is hilarious. Yeah. So yeah. It, it can add to the unpredictability and that sort of fun element to your character. Yeah. So there's nothing wrong with having a character that's powerful and has been built well. Yeah, that's right. There's also nothing wrong with having a kind of shitty character. <laughs> I had, <laughs> if it makes sense. Yeah. I knew a, I knew a guy down um, in another town playing D&D. He created a Goliath Barbarian for so long and he leveled up to, I think, level 12. And he said, I'm sick of being the uh, hitty hitty smash guy. So he took a couple levels in Bard. He changed his um, Warhammer to an axe that he can play as a guitar. So it was an axe. Yeah, so it was a real axe. It was an axe axe. So. <laughs> <laughs> he thought it was the best thing ever. And it changed the complete I, dynamic like of the game. my shirt I have. I had the Barbarian shirt. Yeah. He's got, he's got an axe. It's he, great. Um, so the whole dynamic of that group changed purely because someone went, you know what, I'm going to switch things up because I want to see... My guy loves music and he's always talked about music. He's now just taken up guitar uh-huh. lessons yeah so you know he's de- doing a few things in bard so that just helps it because they've already got a bard in the group so he's you know during downtime they teach him how to play the guitar and things like that so yeah it's i like flavor flavor is really what gives you role-playing substance yeah so both of those things really have their place like i don't i think that there's there is a place for a min max character and mm. that might be in a very grueling one shot yeah. If you know that you're going into something and your DM is telling you, you will die yeah. in this, bring your strongest character you can make. Of course you're going to min-max. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if you're doing a, a long-running campaign, it, there's certainly a little more joy in not killing it at everything. Yeah. I think min-maxing takes the fun out of it. 
to a degree yeah definitely so it, it has its place but um i think we're all on the same page there that it, it does take away the fun if you're playing that character all the time mm. yeah when you've come up with a character or you're coming up with your character you of course will envision them in a particular way um do you tend to gravitate more towards, you know, hopping on Google and searching until you find something close? Or do you like to seek out, you know, whether it's a local or someone on the internet, um, an artist to commission an artwork for your character? Yeah. Um, or even draw them yourself? I'll jump straight into this one. <laughs> because we had um, someone provide us with our own character art for the podcast um i think it was a fantastic idea to always seek out people who want to do commissions um support local people things like that because everyone these people are doing it for fun and they do it for enjoyment but it's also gives them that recognition of hey you've done a good job here's a few dollars um which makes it it may not be the be all end all goal that they do but um, sometimes creating character art is a good sensation for them knowing it's going to be used. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and jumping in there quickly, if you haven't checked her out, um, the artist who did the drawings for Meepo, Raku and Snickle is Alphinx. Um, that's A-L-P-H-I-N-X. You can find her on Instagram. Uh, I believe she's taking commissions at the moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's got some excellent artwork, so go give her a little recognition because we're very appreciative of the artwork that she did um, yeah. for our show. We love it very much. It's um, the header on all of our social media pages. <laughs> yeah, definitely definitely check her out. And um, any other commissioners that you find um, suit your art style or your character that you envision your character in. Um, personally, I scour... Google Images, Tumblr, Pinterest, man, any imager, anything that's got pictures, and I purposely find something that I feel closely relates to the envisionment of what my character is. Um, and then I will find out who the artist is, and I will actually DM them and say, hey, I'm using your image, and I'll send the image and say, for my campaign, this is my character, give them a bit of a backstory about who they are, and say, I really love your art. Thank you for just putting Making it out Making this available to yeah. everyone to look at. Yeah, um, for sure. Because even though they may post it on Tumblr and things like that, it's always good to say, hey, I'm using your art. I think it's fantastic. This is exactly what I see as my character. Um, thanks for creating something awesome. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I, in my instance, this uh, just recently, I... Uh, the arc that you guys are in now in my campaign, the Warlord arc, I recently just had art commissioned by someone. But in this instance, um, I wanted to see, because I knew how they looked, but I wanted to see if the lore and everything I'd written to describe them translated. So what I did in this instance is I hired this um, artist and I said, here's all the lore on each individual one. Here's what their general look is draw it and the art that I got back was just exactly how I envisioned it yeah so I think there's a benefit to giving the artist that agency and letting them take that design where they think it will Mm. but providing them with enough you know pointers you know how you want their personality reflected in the artwork and 
you know, a couple of specific things like their hair color, their eye color, mm. the kind of clothes they wear. But um, I find it very exciting to see an artist's interpretation of my character. Yeah. yeah. I haven't had a lot of artwork commissioned. Um, I might have a crack every once in a while at drawing them myself. If um, I can't find a reference picture that's close enough, I mean, I've had a character with that recently where I had two pictures that had elements of what I wanted, but mm. neither of them were right. They, they, I couldn't, they, they didn't sit right with me. So I had to kind of, you know, mesh them together on my own. Yeah. Like I've known um, a few people to whip out Microsoft Paint and try their best to, um, you know... Little stick men. Yeah, integrating both of them together. But um, honestly, seeing people's character art really surprises me every time. Like, oh, this is my character. This is how I see him. And you go, holy crap, I've been envisioning your person for the last 12 months in real time, something completely different. Yeah. And then you've shown me a picture and I've gone, oh... Oh, okay. Now and it, it makes all starts sense. to click. Yeah. yeah. I think this question particularly relates to finding an artwork that, you know, maybe represents a race or something that's different from what you typically find within the D&D rule set. Mm. Um, but what are your thoughts on a homebrew race or class? And what tips would you give to someone who maybe has not delved into that realm and i think i'll start this off with raku he's a resident uh, homebrew expert um okay so <laughs> cassius is probably the most homebrew i've done um ever for a character so his race was fallen asthma at the very beginning of all of this he was a fallen asthma um who got bitten sorry got transformed he wasn't fallen to begin with no Okay, well, if you want to go back that far... For getting technical. <laughs> yeah, for getting technical. He was a protector Asima human. Um, classic person, you know. Just a guy. He just, just a lad. <laughs> uh, Chad is the new word is these days. Um, Showing your age again then, Raku. Oh, tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then he was meant to die, but Vecna said, I can stop that, but then turned him into a vampire. With the first vampire in our in our law, anyway, um, which made him a fallen asthma because he chose Vecna over the Wild Mother. Mm-hmm. Um, so when he first got introduced to the game, he had amnesia due to the my previous character's father gave him a cloak of amnesia, essentially, uh, which the party quickly dispelled, even though there was a warning label written very blatantly on it. Lest um, your doom was the words exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's probably the most homebrew I've ever done. And now with his son for the second campaign, he is again a complete homebrew because his race as half Archfey, as well as um, what he's going to be uh, for his class is all homebrew. So again, I've got to go back to a paper setting, uh, even though I dread it. Um it's all for how I envision the character. Mm-hmm. So if I need to go homebrew, then I'll go homebrew. But um, the advice I give is always talk to the DM about how you envision your character and what type of character you see him or her in the future. So that way the DM, if they don't feel comfortable with homebrew, because there are some who don't, 
you can go, okay, well, what already exists that is closely relating to what I want? Um, but yeah, always talk to the DM and see how you can go. But there's thousands of websites. There's um, dndwiki.com, um, a lot of home, home brewers out there. Um, Reddit. Reddit's a good one. <laughs> Yeah, um, and I think there's definitely more than one option out there for a particular homebrew. So, mm. for an example, I have a... Well, not really a backup character because they're not that fleshed out, but I have a character in mind that I would like to use um, in future, slot her into a campaign if a character dies or for another story in the future, um, where she's kind of like a humanoid bug. Mm. Um, and there's plenty of... You know, I'll, there's plenty of options out there. I've looked a little bit into it and um, I'll certainly bring it to the DM at the time and mm. say what, you know, because the mechanics differ from each homebrew, what would you prefer for me to use? Because I'm happy with all of these. Mm. Just if you are not satisfied, if there's a particular element in there that, you know, you think will be too overpowered or on the other end of the scale, you think I'm going to be too underpowered compared to everyone else in the party and I'm going to straggle behind. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you know, you're thinking of playing a homebrew vampire or something like that, there's more than one homebrew available out there and you can even have a go at homebrewing them yourself if you want to mesh elements of other Mm. people's ideas together. Yeah. Um, just one last thing for me, but, um, with homebrew characters and, um, races and classes and all that sort of stuff, I'm a very open minded DM. I say, yep, sure. Let's have a look at it but it needs to fit in with how they see the character and how it's going to essentially go in the future because I don't want them to create a character and everything like this, but then be completely useless in the future and then they hate their character and they go and try and start a bar fight where they'll die mm. so they can bring a next character in. Yeah. So I try and involve that person's creation of the character to realise it's a long game character, so they need to be prepared with how it goes. Um Mevo, you were quiet. <laughs> no, I actually I honestly just agree with that. Like, mm. um it's always it's a matter of communicate communication between you and the DM. And if the DM's happy to do it, and like as I've said to you in the past, I'm happy for you guys to play homebrew classes. You guys have to do the work, you guys have to do the research and then bring it to me mm. so that I can make an informed decision. But you're normally nine times out of ten, um, for me, the reason why I do that is because if the player shows the agency and the effort to do that, then they want it. Mm. Then I'm happy for you to do it. Because if you, if you don't, you're like, here, this is what I want to do. Okay, tell me one of the best features. Oh, I didn't really read it. Okay, how are you going to play it if you if you don't understand it? Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to... If you want to play a homebrew character, you need to know the ins and outs because nine times out of ten, being the DM, I don't know the ins and outs of your characters. I know the basics, but if you can't help me as the DM to let that character run properly, it makes the game a little bit wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and just to close off this discussion... Um, what advice would you give to someone who doesn't know where to start with coming up with a character? Go for it. Just <laughs> honestly, that's my advice. Just start reading. D and D Beyond is always a great place to start. Um, but even if you if you can't find something that um, you like on D and D Beyond, go to the homebrew section on D and D Beyond. Mm. People ha- make hours and hours of endless content there. 
you know, it's great. Or make one yourself. But if you're just starting, maybe don't make one yourself. Mm. <laughs> yeah. As a new player, my suggestion is always, always see how you want your character and how you see your character. Um, maybe do what's easiest first in your first, very first campaign. Um, so get on D and D beyond and things like that. But once you're going along, you're, you're kind of stagnant because you're choosing the same race and class every single campaign. Um, definitely break out to the homebrews and read the homebrews on D and D beyond. Um, get on some websites, have a look at that, but do what's best for your character and how you'll play the character because at the end of the day, if you get sick of it in the future, then it's just gonna bring the campaign down. So find something that you love, you're passionate about, and you'll never get bored. Mm. And I think talking from um, certainly what I found helpful coming up with my very first character when I was first introduced to D&D is um, first off, have a think about what characters appeal to you that are in other fantasy medias. If it's a movie or a book that you've read and there was a character that, you know, really stuck out to you as interesting. If you want to, you know, go down that avenue, then that's certainly an option and you can always change your mind at Mm. another point in the future and just have a flick through the player handbook or anything on D&D Beyond and see if any of the uh, just little blurb descriptions of what that race or class does, see if that, you know, really stands out and catches your eye. And if you've got that initial spark, then absolutely jump in and give that a go. And if you find it's not for you, there's nothing stopping you from retiring that character or adjusting their build in future. You can mm. always, you know, the sky's the limit when it comes to D&D, so there's nothing stopping yeah, you from Yeah, sometimes um, people's character art actually has a, has a little blurb, like you are saying, mm-hmm. about who they are, what their race are, what their class is. Yeah, absolutely. So if you, if you can Google character concepts, yeah. half the time you're going to find a picture with little notes on there and it might say, oh, they're really moody or, mm. you know, things like that that can give you that little bit of inspiration to kick off your character. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Thanks for listening. You can also find us on our social media with the links in the description. Until next time, stay scaly.